Welcome to Wild Tater Podcast. I'm Charles Hathaway. Many of you have heard of no-till gardening, and you may be wondering, what's the point? Why would you not want to till your soil in order to get it ready for the next year's crop? And there's several reasons. I'm just going to discuss a few today, uh, starting with the soil, the ground itself, is an ecosystem of itself. It has an entire um, network of bacteria, of fungal hyphae, of root structures, of soil, of uh, water and, and air passage. It's, it's this entire underground forest, if you will, um, that's going on all the time. Anywhere where there's dirt and there's life on top, there is a great deal going on under the soil. And all you have to do to prove this is to take a shovel and dig out a, a shovelful and then just stop and sift through it. Now, if you've got really healthy soil, you're going to find all kinds of stuff in there. You're going to find, you know, like I said, you're going to find bits of fungus. You're going to find little teeny bugs. You're going to find uh, different colors of soil and broken down uh, organic matter as well as dirt or sand and, and so forth and roots and so forth. And you're going to find all those things because what the soil has done when it's healthy like that has built this entire ecosystem and network that is really, really good at getting things to grow which means you stick a couple of seeds in there, yes, bugs will begin to try to, to eat through it. Chances are they won't be able to get far enough before it sprouts and becomes a, a plant of itself. And they will continue to try to eat at it, but it will fight its way through. And it will, uh, if, if, if the conditions are such as to make it possible, it will survive. And it will dig its roots into this wonderful uh, uh, arrangement of networks that uh, make up the whole underground system um, that you find in soil. Undisturbed soil, I might add. Now, if you till that soil before you plant, what you do is you take that whole network and you turn it on its head and you destroy all the connections and all the uh, the pathways and all the uh, the root structures and and so forth you will still benefit from much of the uh, um, organic material but not as much because that organic material was being processed and made into mulch and made into compost by microscopic organisms and bacterias and so forth and those have just had their home ripped apart and they are in recovery mode rather than in continue the process and build mode they're not in reproductive mode in in their stasis mode they are in recovery mode and that's what they will be in until they can rebuild everything that they that you've just destroyed now some people say, well, how are you going to plant seeds or yeah, are you going to plant trees if you're not allowed to break ground? Well, the fact is you are. And, and there's not really an allowedness about it. There's not rules, but it's a recognition um, 
no-till gardening is a recognition that the ground is doing better undisturbed. Now, it will do even better if it has a tree in there with it. Now, if there's no tree, then adding a tree is totally justifiable. And so you're going to dig a hole the size that's needed for the tree. You're not going to bust the ground up or get out a tiller and... You're just going to dig that hole. You're going to plant the tree in it. And you're going to do, you know, whatever root roughing up or trimming or whatever that you need to do. Put it in there. And if you can return the soil that was there back into the soil, remember that uh, bacteria and insects and all those things, they go into recovery mode when you've disturbed them. And if they have, you know, if the ground around them is undisturbed, but then immediately close to them is disturbed, it's not going to take them as long to repair. And, and they'll do okay. And once that tree kind of works its roots into the old network, it's going to find all kinds of nutrients that, uh, that wouldn't have been available if the ground had been completely tilled beforehand. And this network, and I keep saying network, because that's really what it is, especially with the fungal hyphae, which is basically a, a network of fungus. Think of, think of mushrooms, how they kind of grow. And imagine a mushroom that just kind of grows off the end of the last one into this big, long stretch. Well, it turns out that there are fungus that do that, but instead of growing like roots... They grow more like straws. They're a tube that is traveling along. If you go into a forest or any undisturbed area where there's lots of, of wild wood product, basically trees and fallen debris from those trees and so forth, and you kind of dig your hand down in, you'll find these, they almost look like spider webs. And they're these powdery uh, uh, web-like structures which are basically a type of mushroom a type of fungus that uh, that branches out underground and sometimes above the ground sometimes under the ground and it and it just stretches all over the place this is not one fungus but a whole network of this of these hyphae and they climb up the edges of trees and they climb up you know the sides of any woody plants or structures and people sometimes when who are unexperienced don't and don't know about these uh these fungal things they see it up going up their tree and they're like ah the tree is rotting or else they say oh this this you know fungus is trying to take over my tree it's attacking my tree but in reality the fungus has a wonderful uh uh what's that word, synergistic, synergistic uh, relationship with the tree, by which the tree creates sugars that the fungus needs, and the fungus, in exchange, brings nutrients to the tree, basically offers nutrients to the tree. And where does it get those nutrients? Well, along that network. There are all kinds of other trees, there are all kinds of other plants, some of them that fix nitrogen or, or other substances, and it's able to pull that into its network. And, and as the trees need it, 
they exchange the sugars from the tree for the nutrients needed for the tree. Excuse me. And this network uh, is able to provide both nutrients and communication between various trees. Because what, what you'll get in a, uh, a forest, for example, is let's just say um, some kind of, of insect comes and starts just devouring the trees on the edge of the forest. Just, just tearing them apart. What happens is signals are sent out um, that travel through these networks and the other trees receive those signals and say, whoa, something's wrong. We're, we need to build up, you know, um, something, a bitterness in our leaves. Or we need to, to reinforce the strength of our bark. Or we need to uh, put something taste, you know, distasteful in um, our leaves and bark so that we don't get devoured because it's happening somewhere down the way. This this is real, people. It sounds funny if you've never heard of this, but look it up. Look up fungal hyphae network tree communication on Google or something to that effect. Just Google it. You can find all kinds of articles about how this works. And the it's a it's a fairly new discovery as in the last couple of decades, but it's a very revealing uh, discovery, and it's one that that is helping us understand the ecosystem of a forest and any kind of tree network. Um, and this is why it's so important um, to not disturb the soil any more than necessary. Now, if you are building a structure, you're going to disturb the ground. If you're uh, going to dig down and make a wallapini greenhouse, you're going to be disturbing the soil. If you're trying to make a wood bed or hugel culture hill or something, you're going to disturb the ground. That's that's part of the uh, you know design aspect of gardening. You need to get your property in the shape that you want it, the ground in the in the shape that you want it. But knowing that, you want to disturb beyond that as little as possible. And you say, well, if I'm going to rip up the ground anyway, what difference does it make? Well, the difference is, is that say you're um, digging some kind of swale, uh, and we'll talk more about swales in a future episode and their value. Um, but let's say you dig this swale, you've just made these these ditches on contour, with hills, um, downhill of them, and uh, and then you're going to plant in those swales, or above those swales, around those swales, and so forth. Once you plant in those, you've got once you've got the the ground, the shape that you want it. You're not going to rip up the ground anymore. You're going to plant in it, and you're going to let nature do its thing. And you're going to help by providing mulch, maybe, or you'll bring organic material to put in the swales, whatever. That's great. But we're not going to rip up the ground anymore. And what that does is it allows the ground, after you've created your structure, your soil structure, 
to begin the process of rebuilding the network. And if you've got your structure in place and then a network built in your soil, you've got a pretty much unstoppable system because you're going to have structured it such that it gets the best um, whatever, be it sun, uh, water, nutrients, whatever. And once that network is in place, it's going to uh, serve you forever, as long as that structure maintains. And uh, so the point is, is that you'll plant in it that first year. You're not going to have a great turnout, but it'll, it'll grow something. You know, you'll grow some beans or something to get nitrogen into the soil and into the, your underground network. And, and then you'll plant some trees on it at the same time, which will take a long time to, to expand and get bigger. That's fine. And then, uh, and then as that soil matures um, over the next year, that network is building and it's getting better. The following year, you're going to plant in it either by sprinkling the seeds on the outside, maybe sprinkling a little bit of dirt on top to cover, provide shade for them so they are able to stay moist, or maybe you will just take soils, uh, sorry, seeds individually and push them down into the soil. So you're disturbing only that one inch above the seed. You know, you haven't tilled, you've, you've put seed in the ground. Or if you're adding in a vine or something, you're going to dig the hole, like we said before, uh, as small as you can, based on the need, you're going to plant it. And then over the next year, that uh, network will be able to close in on the disturbed space, and you will have uh, a vine or tree that is working into the system. And as the roots expand outward, they're going to work into that system that is already mature or or approaching maturity. Once you have a fully mature ground system, like I said, you're basically unstoppable. Anything that you plant in there has all the advantages of the system as well as the advantages of the underground network. So that's much of the uh, reason for no-till type gardening. It doesn't mean you don't put holes in the ground. It means that you don't do it any more than necessary. And you strive to find ways of planting that don't require um, tilling, ripping the soil up just to turn it. Um, there are times to turn soil, um, such as when you're making compost, but that's not soil, that's compost. Um, and of course, when you're building structures. But again, you're doing it as little po as possible. And the goal is to get your yard in the exact shape that you want it so that you never have to, to overturn the soil again any more than necessary. So with that, I'm Charles Hathaway. Thanks again for listening to another episode of